Welcome again to another episode of Life is Wonderful.love podcast, where we talk about recovery, emotional intelligence, and healing. Your IQ, your EQ is your IQ. Now, out is the 12 Steps Explained course to help you work the 12 steps of recovery in 90 days. There's also recovery coaching. But as always, we want to just dive right into our new episode. And today, we have the pleasure of talking up with New Jersey, Rob S. How are you doing this morning? Doing great, Hugo. Thank you for having me. All right, like everybody wants to start off, tell the audience one thing you love. I love uh, playing golf. I love my family. I love recovery. Um, I love the Yankees. I love eating. I love shopping. I, I love a lot of things, Hugo. You know, for the most part, we have everything in common, but as a Houstonian and a Houston Astro, I love my Astros. I love that we won the World Series. So we can at least agree on 90 to 95% of things. Mm. <laughs> but that's yep. all good. We don't have to be 100% in alignment. But let's get into the questions. Question one, what has been the key to your recovery? I mean, is it programs? Is it the people? Is it literature? What? And just so people understand, before you answer this question, you know, Rob has dealt with all types of addiction, so he's going to answer this from all kinds of angles. What do you say, Rob? Well, there's three keys to recovery. It's being honest, uh, open-mindedness, and, and willingness. And, you know, the programs have definitely been a lifeline for me. Uh, sponsorship has been a lifeline. The literature, literature was. Um, and as you believe in also, Hugo, you know, working the 12 steps of recovery was really the biggest thing for me. You know, I abstained for a lot of years and kind of white-knuckled my recovery and would relapse quite often. And until I truly worked the 12 steps of recovery, I didn't have any freedom. And I struggled a lot of times. And I was envious of people that could gamble or could drink or could do, you know, occasional drug, you know, socially. And I couldn't. And until I truly accepted that I was powerless over not just gambling, you know, a lot of things in my life and worked the 12 steps there was very little relief in anything that I was doing. Now, you said one key word, and I believe it wholeheartedly as well. It's in literature. You hear it all the time. Freedom. Explain what freedom to you means today. Freedom is uh, it's one of the things that I treasure most. Uh, you know, for me, freedom is I could be in a room full with a lot of people and I feel comfortable in my own skin. Everybody could be gambling. Everybody could be drinking. They could be talking about, you know, gummies or marijuana or whatever they may be doing. And I don't have that temptation. I don't have that urge. The mental obsession has been lifted. Um, you know, uh, freedom to me, it, it's a lot. It, it, it's, it's being free from that mental obsession that drove me to drink, do drugs, and gamble. Uh, excellent. I love that part that you said that you're comfortable in your own skin. 
And that's something I think a lot of people in early recovery or the people that may have been in for a while and then they start to kind of get complacent. I feel that people even with 10, 15 years of sobriety recovery, they go back out is because they don't feel comfortable in their own skin. And I really think that that's something that we should always keep hammering home. That is one of the the gifts of the 12 steps, of the rooms, of therapy, is getting people to just be at peace. Well, as we progress in recovery, we get a lot of things, you know, material things. You know, life comes back to us. We rebuild relationships. Um, and from the outside looking in for somebody that hasn't been through it, they, they view success as you know, how much they've accomplished or what they've bought or what they've been able to, you know, accumulate throughout the years. For me, it's still the biggest gift of recovery is that I can have everybody I know in one room and I could leave. You know, that that was total freedom. My wife drew up me a surprise birthday party when I was 40. And we had a hundred different people there, Hugo, from family, from friends to people in recovery to you know, the spouses, you know, customers that I had in, in business, you know, a lot of different mixes of people. And I didn't have to manipulate any conversation. I didn't have to worry about being caught in any lies or any kind of accountability piece or, you know, Rob said this and Rob wasn't there or Rob said that, you know, to me, that's the total freedom that that's the peace of mind. You know, you can't put a price tag on that. That is still the biggest and greatest gift that recovery has given me. Excellent. Let's move on to question two. Question two, what was wor- which was worse for you, being a compulsive gambler or alcoholic drug addict, and how did you deal with it? All three of them are bad. I mean, there's nothing great about being, you know, an alcoholic or a drug addict or a gambler. But, you know, the the gambling, it's almost worse because it's insidious. You know, you could be losing hundreds of thousands of dollars on a day to day basis and nobody knows, you know, except for you. And you create these apparently insolvable problems and the pressure and the money and the stress and the depths that you'll go to to continue to gamble, um, for me anyway, it was way greater than, you know, the drinking and the drugs. Um, you know, the, the, after a while, you can only drink so much until you pass out. And then you can only do so many drugs until your money runs out. But, you know, the avenues that gambling will allow you to continue to go to, whether it's borrowing money from you know, your credit cards or friends or family, you know, it's kind of almost becomes like a bottomless pit. And, you know, you lie to yourself so much through the gambling process that I I would lean to say that the compulsive gambling is worse just because nobody else kind of knew what was going on but me. Well, you're coming from a state like New Jersey, you know, that whole that started the lawsuit with the NCAA that went to the Supreme Court. Do you think states, especially your own, New Jersey and other states, truly understand gambling 
and the way they push it? They're starting to because they legalize the gambling, you know, and it's everywhere now. Um, but they're, it, it's still not considered, you know, like a disease like alcoholism or, you know, drug addiction. You know, a lot of people look at it very much like a person that's an overeater. You know, if that person, you know, wants to have a piece of cake, you know, it's the, the stereotype, you know, the typical person, you know, the average Joe would say, hey, you know, why can't they just stop eating the cake or why can't they just stop gambling? And yet, you know, it's it's a compulsion. You know, a compulsive gambling is a learned inadequate response to life. Um, it's just not viewed the same way. And the more and more that they've legalized the gambling and people are getting more and more in trouble legally, um, they are starting to get the awareness out. And there's more resources there to help us compulsive gamblers. I agree. There, they, they, there are more coming, but they need to hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to question three. You're now, you are now own a treatment facility in New Jersey. Tell us about this dream of yours, and who you're helping, or the types of people that come into your facility. I um. I'm so grateful to be able to have this opportunity to open up a treatment center. It's always been a dream of mine. Um, and we're, we're helping drug addicts, alcoholics, and, and also compulsive gamblers. Um, and, and to see them come in in the same shoes that I was in, you know, almost 10 years ago, Hugo, it, it's, it's the greatest gift you could get to start to see that light bulb go off and for them to start to change their life. Um, we have plenty of different services that we offer in mindfulness and meditation and art therapy and relapse prevention. And we help people on the self-exclusion list. Um, we deal with their fears, the resentments, you know, the trauma, uh, writing out a fourth step a moral and financial inventory you know, all of this whole recovery process is continuously based upon change. You know, we're only as good as the day that we're in. So while they're here in treatment, you know, we try to challenge them to have that psychic change, because if they could change the way they think, they could change the way they act, and then they could change the way we react. And then, you know, as you know, miracles start happening. You know, you start to feel better about yourself. Your self-esteem comes back. You know, some of that pride and ambition and, you know, all the reasons why we either used, you know, or drank or gambled, you know, to escape, you know, life on life's terms. We start taking accountability and responsibility for being an addict and, and rebuild our life. You know, that's what this whole thing's about. It is. You know, I'm going to put everything in the show notes so everybody kind of hears you know, can actually see it in writing, but tell everybody the name, where you're located and, you know, like how close you are to, you know, different cities. Where the name of the treatment center is called Right Choice Recovery. We're in South Brunswick, New Jersey. We're right around the corner from Forsgate Country Club uh, off of exit 8A off the New Jersey Turnpike. 
And Hugo, what will help anybody, regardless of their financial situation, if they have insurance or don't, will never say no to a client that's willing to go to any lengths to get better. The name of the website is RightChoiceRecoveryNJ.com. Our telephone number is 732-908-2111. I have a great team of licensed clinicians for strictly compulsive gambling. We have some that specialize in trauma. We have people that will deal with substance abuse disorder. Um, We will never turn away a client that needs help, Hugo. It's been a dream of mine to help anybody. And um, just like you with this podcast and the way you live your life and how far you've come, you know, we don't just talk about this for an hour and a half in a meeting or just do it on a podcast. You know, this is how we live our life. And God has been very good to me. And I know he's been very good to you. Excellent. And you were telling me that most of your stuff is IOP, intensive outpatient care. You don't have like in-resident detox. You're doing a lot of IOP or explain people a couple of the services that you provide. We start with the highest level of care that we have is uh, partial care. And in New Jersey, that's five hours a day, um, four days a week for a total of 20 hours or more. And that also comes with individual therapy and also family therapy as well. Um, IOP, yeah, it's intensive outpatient. So that's three hours a day, four days a week for a total of 12 hours. And they also include family and also individual therapy. And then an outpatient level of care, which is uh, three hours a week. So, you know, we have them when they come either before detox uh, or residential or after detox or residential. So we, we really care and we're a full service, you know, facility that, um, you know, we're changing lives little by little, one day at a time. Excellent. Is there anything else you'd like to tell the audience before we end this episode, either about recovery, about what you're doing, about life? The only thing I could ever say to anybody out there struggling is that you're not alone and there's a lot of resources out there. And until you draw a line in the sand and say that today's going to be the day that I change my life, you know, there's very little hope. You know, unfortunately, step one is not a very pretty step. You know, it, it says we are powerless over our addiction and our life has become unmanageable. And, you know, to come to total terms with that, you know, there can't be any reservations. You know, you have to surrender to this disease. It's like you have cancer. And if you had cancer, you would go to every doctor in the world to try to get yourself help. So why not give yourself that opportunity, you know, to rebuild your life? You know, I I heard somebody once say when I was in rehab, you know, you have to do things that you've never done to go places you've never been. And uh, it's a big leap of faith. But if you know that your life is going to continually spiral downwards and out of control, you know, have the faith that if you surrender to this thing and get yourself the right help, you could have a life beyond your wildest imagination and your life can be wonderful. Excellent words to end this episode. Well, we appreciate you being on the podcast today, Rob. 
I, I can't thank you enough, Hugo. And 